Welcome, everyone, to Season 5, Episode 147 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we have the recap, or not even the recap, our commentary on the Liverpool-Manchester United Premier League match, the Premier Pod derby, as we like to call it or label it as. And we were just talking... Um, you know, we'll, we'll go obviously more in detail about the about the derby, but like we were just talking ever since we started this podcast, Manchester United have never actually beaten Liverpool in the Premier League since we started doing the podcast, which we started it in 2018. Yeah, was it 2018? Yeah, 2018. It's yeah. been so long now. 2018, we started it, and Manchester United have only beaten Liverpool once, which was in the FA Cup in that COVID year, and. Uh, we talked about it then, but in terms of the Premier League, it's really been four years since the last time they beat them. And yeah, first time we're doing this podcast where Manchester United somehow got the leg up on them. But we'll go obviously more in detail in there. But we wanted to mention, first of all, if you notice, if you watched our um, preview episode for season five, you're probably wondering why we haven't been uploading for the past what, four or three weeks. But um, Tyler and I both talked about it. Not taking a hiatus, but more so we are kind of going for a monthly upload schedule right now, like once a month, um, particularly for me to help me out because as you guys know, I work um, currently in like soccer and social media and my whole job is based around covering the sport, um, basically being like tuned in 24-7 on the job. So, you know, when I'm working, like I'm covering all of this news and everything that goes along with it. And when we started the podcast, uh, for me, at least, and also Tyler, like it was kind of like our breakaway to just talk about, you know, the game stuff we watched all the time on the weekends and just kind of make it like a friendly, fun chat of what's what's on our heads and what we think will happen um, in the Premier League. And for me, I guess like my work was starting to blend in with this and you know, in the past couple months, it was starting to feel like the podcast starting to feel like a work and more of like a um, a mental strain on my end because it was just like ah, more more work on top of like the work I was already doing. And you know, I, I spoke to Tyler about Tyler about it, and like you know, I'm hoping that you know, taking a little bit of a a bit of a break on my end uh, will hopefully kind of reju- rejuvenate that energy and um, basically get back to the point where maybe in the future we can get back to. Uh, more of a frequent schedule, um, like our normal weekly episodes. But um, just wanted to let you guys know that right now, going forward, at least we're going to try to shoot for like a once a month uh, schedule uh, for the time being. Mm-hmm. And that's something I just wanted to make sure Yesh was okay with too, because, you know, as Marshawn Lynch says, take care of your mentals, take yeah. care of them. Because, <laughs> you know, for Yesh, it's a little different since he works in sports. So it's like for him, it's kind of like a work-life balance where, there's not really that balance anymore. It's kind of like jump from sports to sports to sports. Whereas for me, yeah. it's like, I don't really work in sports. So for me, it's way different. So I want just to make sure Yush is also all good. And I know like Yush mentioned to me too, it's just, he's like, you can keep going. Like you just do solo or bring someone else. on. I'm like, no, yes, this is, this is our thing. This is our <laughs> duo thing. This is my, my one time of the week to talk to every week. So, you know, to make sure we keep that continuity going, I'm like, once you're in, you're, I'm in, and you know if you got to take some time away, then I'll take time away too. You know, no pressure, no nothing. And we'll take some time to get into any topics though during like these next few months that re- really kind of interest us. So like the Premier Pod Derby is like we had to come back for this one. Like this one, it's Manchester United versus Liverpool. We had to come back. World Cup will definitely come back, and also just throughout the season, there's going to be a lot of news. Champions League's coming through again, and just throughout the rest of this Premier League season, there's going to be big topics, and we'll cover those from month to month until the time being but you know in the meantime we're gonna make sure everyone's all good to go and you know we're both feeling good so no pressure no worries yeah no that's uh obviously what tyler mentioned like uh told me about the or kind of mentioned on his side you know not wanting to bring on another co-host that was definitely nice to hear and it was uh great that we can kind of continue keeping this like our thing going forward and obviously as i mentioned before just the frequency will be a bit off but hopefully um in the next couple months or so like once i start figuring things out um on my end a personal side hopefully we can uh get things rolling again with the weekly episodes but as of right now going forward it'll be like once a month but um i guess switching gears to the actual game it was the manchester united versus liverpool united hosting liverpool in the third week of the season and you know, going into this game, obviously we didn't do the podcast episodes after each of the game weeks, so we kind of didn't hear our 
overall thoughts of going on with both of our clubs, but essentially going into this game, both of our clubs were not doing too hot in relative to the expectations that were thrown on them in the beginning of the season. Obviously, Manchester United were in full rebuild mode, so you thought that with games against Brighton and Brentford, they could at least pick up two, not I wouldn't say easy wins, but two wins to kind of the morale is there like with the new manager bounce, but unfortunately it didn't happen. They lost the first game and then they got blasted by Brentford 4-0. And then Liverpool supposed to be title contenders with with Manchester City and they started off the season with a draw against Fulham and then they drew um was it you guess Crystal Palace Crystal Palace yeah, yes Crystal Palace Crystal Palace and then going Ooh. into this game they only picked up two points out of two games while City have picked up two wins out of two and so have Arsenal um so you know relative to the expectation of both clubs not coming in too hot you know, Liverpool are dealing with injuries. Manchester United are dealing with a confidence problem. But this game was crazy, man. I saw Eric Ten Hag's lineup. He dropped Harry Maguire, the captain, dropped Cristiano Ronaldo, made Bruno Fernandes the captain, and played with a front three of Anthony Alenga, Marcus Rashford, and Jaden Sancho to start the game. And Bruno is like kind of the number 10. And it, w- mm-hmm. it was really good. And then we saw Lissandro yeah. Martinez... And Rafa Varane. He dropped McSauce. Yeah. Like, or like the McFred duo. I yeah. was like, what the heck's going on? McFred duo was dropped. We saw the partner, the first partnership or the first game with the potential new partnership of Rafael Varane and Lissandro Martinez. Tyrell Mal- Malasia got the start at left back over Luke Shaw. Casemiro was unveiled. The new CDM signing for Manchester United was unveiled uh, beginning of that game. Obviously, he wasn't eligible to play, but... Yeah, we saw something new. Um, what we saw, I, I feel like the players finally did the bare minimum of pressing, working hard for the team, working hard for each other, communicating with each other, playing with like a bit of confidence. And I don't know what Ten Hag said or what he did, but um, it seems like he bit, he made a big gamble and it paid off because obviously they won 2-1, but it seemed like they were finally doing the basics again, something that pretty much at the second half or like the latter half of Ralph Ranić's run as interim manager and the beginning two games under Eric Ten Hag, we didn't see the United team do. And I, I just think the way they set up was perfectly, I guess, the best way to kind of counterattack Liverpool because they went long. They stopped playing short passes. They knew like David De Gea's, you know, weakness with him when it comes to playing out the back. They went long. They attacked. Uh, Liverpool, and they just used their extra energy in the midfield to kind of overpower Liverpool's midfield, which is not something you normally say under Jurgen Klopp, because usually you're used to Jurgen Klopp having players like Wijnaldum, Fabinho, you know, kind of stalwarts that will just like engine rooms, essentially, that will just run back and forth all the time. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. they had a midfield of like Henderson, James Milner, and um, who, who else... Uh, Harvey Elliott. Yeah, Harvey (laughs) Elliott. And unfortunately for Milner, at least, and Henderson, at least from what I saw from the Liverpool Twitter side, their legs, they're older. Their legs are just not there anymore, so they can't run around, you know, like wild men all the time and just go for the press. And I think uh, Manchester United took advantage of that. And with the young legs of Sancho, Rashford, and uh, Alenga, it was just too much, um, too much for the Liverpool midfield. And for the first goal, at least, man, um, Jadon Sancho, that was pure composure like that was just ice cold finish and um, there was a lot of memes that came about with Virgil van Dijk um, after James Milner had slid to basically try to get the initial block on Jaden Sancho and he didn't shoot mm-hmm. um, a lot of talk was on Virgil van Dijk where he just basically stood there with the hand with his hands behind his back instead of trying to push put some pressure on Jaden Sancho and effectively they were saying like he was just trying to use his aura to like hopefully block the shot <laughs> uh, that Virgil <laughs> van Dijk aura that you know for so many years, he's been so good at. Like, he's always just made the right decision and been so calm and collective. But it seemed like he was having a little bit of trouble that game just dealing with the the United press. And it just seemed like as a whole, Liverpool had it in just a really hard time just kind of unlocking this United defense and just unlocking how to stop Manchester United, which is odd because I just haven't seen that in so long. I think it's just also, we weren't, like, as a Liverpool team or just even as a, a fan watching the game. Ten Hog changed the lineup so drastically that I feel like I wasn't expecting it. I didn't expect him <laughs> to drop Harry Maguire, McFred, uh, Ronaldo, and start some of these other players like Alonga, Sancho, and Rashford up top. Like that is something I would have suggested to do, but I thought there are certain players like Harry Maguire, Ronaldo, like they just can't be dropped. Like it's just always a thing that'll always be a weakness of 
Manchester United that it's just like, all right, it's just their thing. For some reason, they'll always play him. But you no, know, Ten Hag actually, <laughs> he, he kind of bamboozled everyone. It's like, you know, I'm going to do what everyone's saying to do and actually drop all of them to the bench. And it worked out. And Liverpool, I will say in the past few games starting the season, it's been really rough. They started off really slowly and it's kind of continuing on from the previous season where they're letting everyone score the first goal first. And yeah. I believe it's seven games in a row now where they can see that the first goal. And I think it's just a bit of, I don't know if it's just burnout or just maybe just lackadaisical play, but I do know there's a lot of injuries on this team. That's why James Milner, the fourth string <laughs> center mid was playing. Like if you want to go down the, like the injury list, you can just go through like Diogo Jota Curtis Jones, Thiago, uh, Fabinho technically was a little injured, but he came on in the second half. Yeah, uh, Keita. and then top Calvin you also Ramsey, have like the new Calvin Ramp, the right back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kanate, Matip, Calvin uh, Keller. Like this, this is like ten people already almost. <laughs> and then on top of that, like certain players that have to play, like Firmino, he hasn't really been playing that many minutes, and he's in a poor run of form. James Miller should not have even been playing this game. Like, he shouldn't have to be starting. But the fact that he had to <laughs> kind of showed, like, the, the squad depth. I think I texted Yush, like, the, the sub bench for Liverpool. And there was yeah. only, like, three players that weren't academy players for them for this game. It's tough. And it, it was pretty rough. And Liverpool, with this lineup, got exposed really, really bad by that speedy front three of Sancho, Rashford, and Alonga. So... This has been a reoccurring theme, at least for the first three games. And I guess I'll go into that in a little bit. But to kind of just circle back to the lineup for United as well, I feel like this kind of changed lineup as opposed to like the Liverpool lineup, which is kind of forced. It's kind of showing that Ten Hag is also kind of adapting his kind of style because I feel like Ten Hag would preferably have more possession, a lot more pass heavy. But this game was a lot more counterattack. Besides that goal with Sancho like that was like an insane pass of play but for most of the other opportunities they had it was a lot of just counter-attacking and I was like oh this I was not expecting that from Ten Hag and I was kind of surprised that like this kind of energy came out like I think that's something you mentioned yesterday where it was just like this is a whole different kind of Manchester United side that you don't know what Ten Hag said in that locker room right before the, yeah. the game but this is the most energy and like the most enthusiastic man you side I've seen in like a yeah. few seasons I feel like yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like what helped a lot was um, last season, at least when Harry Maguire wasn't playing um, and he was dropped to the bench. David De Gea picked up the captaincy, but I will say this: I don't think David De Gea is probably the most vocal. Yeah, you, you hear him shouting like with like any goalkeeper, but obviously, being a goalkeeper, it's hard to be the most vocal all the way back there. And I think what made kind of like a lot of that energy come out was possibly giving the captaincy to Bruno Fernandez because, you know, say what you want about him. Um, he's one of those players that, you know, if you have him on your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, you hate him. That type of uh, <laughs> mentality, you know, that that meme of like uh, when you do the x-ray, he's got that dog at him. Bruno he's Fernandez, is, <laughs> like <Zach> Bruno Fernandez <laughs> is the like the actual representation of the type of he's got that dog in him type player. Granted, he's a good player as well, but he's just that type of player that will just kind of run like crazy, run like a madman, but he'll also, you know, do some of the most, you know, kind of like slide ball things that like every team yeah. kind of needs. He'll do that. He'll also, you know, prove like the quality pass. He'll also get in, you know, players' faces to like motivate them. And he's also the type of player that will always kind of be encouraging players to keep going. And I think that on top of the Old Trafford crowd and the Old Trafford faithful, I think that just led to... um every other player kind of just picking up their intensity and energy. And when you see players like Lissandro Martinez, who given his height would like five, nine, um, and he's like winning headers and he's winning, you know, one-on-one duels. Then you have Rafael Varane, who's winning his duels. You you see Tyrell Malasia, who's like running down the wing and just being, you know, you know, just not giving the wingers any space for Liverpool. Um, When you, when you see that, it's just like, I feel like that infectious energy just kind of rubs off on everyone. And, this being a home game at Old Trafford, you just kind of felt like Old Trafford woke up again and was just kind of being like that extra 12th man that, you know, Anfield is always like under Jurgen Klopp. And I think that also played into a role of like motivating the players and getting them going again, because even players like Diego Dallo, who has had a very poor start to the season, actually played pretty well today or pretty well mm-hmm. on Monday against Liverpool. So 
it was a lot. And I think, uh, you know, obviously having a Casemiro unveiled uh, in front of Old Trafford also lifted up the crowd spirits as well. So I think there was just a lot of factors to it. And I think, you know, had Ronaldo started, I don't think we would have gotten the same energy because um, I will say when Ronaldo doesn't start, you see with the players, they have like a little bit more freedom to kind of pass the ball around and just pass it to who's open rather than when Ronaldo's starting. Obviously, when Ronaldo's starting, you're kind of like left to this idea of like, oh, let's just try to force feed the ball to him um, because, you know, if we don't give him the ball, then he might get a little, you know, he might start shouting or something like that. Or, you know, you just want to force feed him the ball because he's Ronaldo and he'll, you'll expect him to do something great. And it was nice to see that Bruno was kind of given like that that freedom to kind of do what he does. And, you know, I feel like this was probably Bruno's best game and probably a lot, a long time actually, because it just kind of gave him that freedom again. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I just think there was a lot of factors to it. Eric Ten Hag made some big decisions and I think they actually paid off. And, um, you know, Marcus Rashford wanted to quickly point him out. He has, he's been a player that's been struggling a lot since last season, especially since the Euros. Mm-hmm. And the first two games, he wasn't performing too hot. And I know there's been a lot of chatter about him potentially, uh, getting a move to, to PSG. PSG. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of United fans were kind of like, there, there's like a, a split. I think a lot of United fans still love him because he's academy player, like he's done so much, but then also another side are like, uh, like it looks like he's kind of following the Deli Alley route of like, you know, maybe he just reached his peak too early and like now it's just downhill from here. But I think what we saw was, we saw a Marcus Rashford that was motivated, chasing down balls, you know, making those runs in behind and you go, he got rewarded with a goal and it, it was just, uh, it, it was just a good thing to see. Like it, it made me really happy to see like he, he finally scored that goal and it just looked like, uh, like weight was lifted off his shoulder. Like, okay, now he scored this goal against a big rival and I'm just excited to see what he can do now going forward in the season. Cause I feel like him and Sancho really benefited with getting those goals because now, um, I feel like just some weight has lifted off their shoulders and they can probably just play a little bit more freely now. It's always against Liverpool. <laughs> Rashford just has some big games. He yeah. doesn't shy away from the big game, the big spotlight against Northwest Derby challenger. But I mean, I have to give kudos also to just the fact that Christian Eriksen played like a CDM, CM role yeah, behind much. Bruno Fernandes. That was something that was kind of surprising to me. I, I would have thought it'd be reversed where it's like you keep Christian Eriksen a little higher up, but I, it kind of worked out. And like this yeah. kind of relenting press or counterattack, I should say, of having this midfield, like always just have this kind of pressure of being able to throw any long ball from these two, like Bruno Fernandes and Erickson to any of like the speedsters up top. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is pure FIFA tactics. <laughs> and then, you know, McSauce is still there just, you know, winning the duels. But it kind of worried me as a Liverpool fan seeing Casemiro in the stands just ready to go soon. I'm like, all right, well, Liverpool can't even beat this team right now. Like, you know, granted, we have all the injuries, but I mean, like Manchester United, this is like one of the best performances I've seen in a long time. And yeah. the fact that now Casemiro's coming in and the squad depth is looking all right. And like now we know no player is invincible. No player is just immune to just getting benched. That's a big thing. Like that's that's kind of showing that Ten Hag is really taking control of the locker room as opposed to like maybe some of the other managers that we're not going to mention <laughs> in the Manchester United uh, role as manager in the past few seasons. But like, this is like a different side and I don't know what happened in the first two games with y'all. It was like the games were lost in like the first half essentially. Yeah. But I feel like the first 30 minutes, first 20, first 30 minutes, I believe Manchester United has just conceded all their goals in the first half of games so far this season. They haven't yeah. conceded any goals in the second half. And until this game, but even then, like it was just a whole different team almost. Like Lissandro Martinez, our our man, the five foot man, five foot nine man, same height as me. <laughs> he, I don't know. I feel like maybe Darwin would have given him a lot more kind of struggle because Darwin's a lot more physical of a player. Whereas you know, if Martinez is just marking Salah, uh, Firmino, and at times Luis Diaz is like it's, they're not as physical of players. So maybe like it won't really get exposed as much there, but like he played a really solid game. And like Malasia, I didn't even know who he was. I know he's yeah. played a few games, but I'm like, where did this guy come from? It's number yeah, twelve. PSV. Luke Shaw Love got back. benched. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He or just, even mentioned Luke Shaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Luke Shaw has not played. I would say he's 
you know, obviously, I think from those first two games, you could have probably taken out the entire starting 11 and just put a new one in because uh, they played so poorly. But there was a lot of players that I think, like, like you said, I feel like there's I know I always mention this, but I feel like they're starting to become like actual competition. And I think there's actual spots that are just not solidified anymore because now we're also in the market to try to get like a a backup keeper to kind of challenge De Gea as well as like a potential number one to replace him as a number one. And I I feel like now with under Ten Hag, he has, he obviously has a long-term vision of how he wants to play, but he also is coming in as a new manager. So he doesn't have any loyalties to per se, any of these players oh. um, that kind of came in. So, you know, who knows, you know, what's going to happen with Harry Maguire or Cristiano Ronaldo, but I think it does make a big statement that, hey, he dropped them and they won, you know, they won their game against their biggest rival. Had they not win, like won this game and it was a really bad performance and let's say Liverpool just like mopped the floor on them, I, I feel like he would have probably been not in big trouble. Obviously, he's not going to get fired, but I feel like that would cost a lot of locker room distress but as they always say like winning kind of cures any type of like mutiny um and i think not to say there was mutiny growing i will say that the fact that he dropped those players those big players that kind of have kind of been like a staple of the united lineup for the past two seasons dropped them and they still won and probably put their best performance of the season i think it's a a, a really good showing going forward that hey if you're playing badly you can just as you can be easily replaced and i, I think that's Kind of a good fear to have almost for a squad um, that wants to go out and win, you know, win multiple matches and just have a good season is that you kind of need that 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 quality to know that, hey, if you're playing poorly, you can get benched for a game or someone else can kind of take your place until you get your form back or until you start figuring things out again. Mm-hmm. They're bringing back that standard, Manchester yeah. standard of, you know, having winners as opposed <laughs> to previous seasons. Just like, all right, it's just always Harry Maguire and then everyone just targets him. <laughs> but even like in this game too, it's like, you know, Ten Hag doesn't have all the options to completely replace people immediately. So like I saw De Gea for this game, there's no short balls. Yeah, <laughs> every, long. every ball out went was long. just long. Yeah. It was like, you know, he, he definitely got roasted in practice <laughs> or, <laughs> or after the game. It was just like, all right, you can't, you can't do a short pass through your life. You're going to have to do long balls only. And it worked. Yeah. Like all yeah. these like little things are just like, I, you know, Ten Hag, I guess he's not, you know, cutting giving any cookie cutter answers or you really beating around the bush he's very being very straightforward he's like you know to hey you can't pass Lissandra martinez you can't out muscle anyone <laughs> and then like ronaldo you can't really run as fast as you and you're being benched it's like all these little things it's like i feel like that's definitely what manchester united needed and it's just it didn't pop up until unfortunately this game game three <laughs> where it's yeah. like all right all the answers coming out and it actually is all working out. This is a big gamble because like, yeah, as you said, if they lost, then there'd be a lot of criticism towards Ten Hag for benching all these other players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I maybe it still would have been justified if Manchester United still played better than they were yeah. in the previous games. But even then, like, it's just a stamp that they got this result. They dropped all these players and this is what it is. And I could see that going on for this season. But it's going to be interesting to see because now, yeah. you know, this is a big game. This is a big test to see. They have Southampton coming up. To this. And I was going to say real quickly that uh, I think I agree with every pundit out there. This is one game. This is a great, like, it was a great feeling, great energy. Now, can we, can, like, it's going to, you can't replicate this performance throughout the whole season because it's, you know, these players are, what, what could happen, who knows, but can we get more consistency? And I think that's just, that's been the killer for United on under Ole, under Jose, under every manager post Sir Alex is the consistency. And I think that's all United fans want to see. Can we just get back to being consistent um, in terms of performances instead of like the, you know, the yo-yo of what, what happened last season. And I think um, that's going to be the biggest test because Southampton has historically given United uh, outside of that, you know, nine nil, nine nil win from like a couple seasons back. They've always given United trouble in terms of like going to St. Mary's. It's always just been a really hard fixture for United. Um, I'm just really curious: can they keep up that energy and that performance going into that game? And and if they can, I, you know, I'd be happy. I think United fans will be happy even if we were to draw that game. It's just we want to see the effort and energy every single game. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're recording this right now on. August 24th, and there's still a week left in the transfer yeah. window. So yeah. a lot can happen. I'm not sure if United is going to bring in anyone else or maybe anyone else is going to leave. Yeah, they're heavily linked. Um, they were heavily linked to Kevin Trapp as potentially as like a, a 
a goalkeeper coming in, but I think those rumors have cooled down. Now it's looking like Martin Dubravka as a kind of like a like as a Martin as a Dubravka. backup. Because right now our backup goalie is Tom Heaton, and I don't think like if De Gea goes, I don't think Tom Heaton <laughs> is like someone you could rely on in 2022. Um, so mm-hmm. Dubravka could at least be a bit of a, a solid sign. I don't think he's even on his day. I don't know if he'd be good enough to replace De Gea as like a number one. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so not. it's definitely more of a depth signing, but they are heavily linked towards um, the Ajax winger, Anthony, um, who is a young mm-hmm. like, Brazilian winger. And he actually, there a lot, all the like reports from a lot of like big journalists like Fabrizio um, and such, they've actually said that um, Anthony has agreed personal terms. Like personal terms aren't the problem. And he's also put in like a kind of like a request to the Ajax board that he wants to leave. So We'll see how fast or how long it will take for United to potentially materialize a deal there. But it looks like most likely that Anthony, uh, a right winger, um, could be coming in as like a uh, as another forward option for United this season. And I think um, that would pretty much be the end of the transfer windows, uh, unless something they get linked to somebody crazy in the past in these next couple of days. Who knows? I'm still surprised y'all got Casemiro. Yeah, like, that happened so many- a day and a half. <laughs> I know. There's so many memes that just went throughout Twitter, Reddit, that were like, Casemiro has, <laughs> he's like reject or like he baked an injury just to like avoid this Manchester United transfer, like some other things, like just anything <laughs> to avoid going to Manchester United. But all of a sudden, it's like, there he is. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I thought he wasn't going. It, it, it might have to do with the contract, I will say. There's a lot of money yeah. he's getting. It is true, like the contract, like I obviously like his age, like is is gonna be his last big contract. And I think the way Real Madrid mm-hmm. do do their contract renewals, like once you reach thirty, they only offer you like a year, like a year, like one year extension or two year extension. Uh, so United oh. were offering him a long term, a long term extension, and it just kind of worked out that they were able to kind of poach him away. I think for Casemiro, I think every United fan is kind of in agreement that if they can get the same longevity productivity wise of let's say a Fernandinho because Fernandinho joined Man City around the same age of like 29 30 I believe and he ended up being kind of like a stalwart for them through all those title winning seasons for the next five six years I feel like if Casemiro could say hell like he I don't think he's ever had really injury problems but you know cross our fingers that he doesn't have any now Mm -hmm. but if he can just maintain um that level of I guess performance or that kind of like that Casemiro level that we know from Real Madrid, if you can keep that going for the next four years of that contract, I think it it ends up working out for both parties. But hopefully it's not like a match where he gets one good season and then just dips completely. Um, I'm hoping that he kind of maintain that Fernandinho kind of like steady eddy of like the next four or five years, we get good solid seasons out of him. So it's a risk for sure, but I, I think I think it might work out. Man. I am. That's another signing of a little jealous. I'm like, man, <laughs> another kind of winner. Now it's Rafael Varane, Ronaldo, Casemiro, all from that Real Madrid winning side on yeah. Manchester United. It's <laughs> now we just need Ramos. Be- we just need Ramos. <laughs> no, we no. need Carvajal. Please, we God, need Isco. No. Uh, we need, you know, Isco. we just need bring, bring the whole band together. <laughs> man. I mean, I feel like hmm, maybe. I feel like Anthony, although he's not part of Real Madrid, that's like the only signing I could think of that like kind of makes sense just because y'all need a little bit more wing depth. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like the other players, like Sergio Ramos, <laughs> all those, if there was like an actual option, a little old, a little yeah. old now. But And then Isco, I haven't seen in a minute. He's just yeah. been in purgatory. I don't yeah. know if he's still alive. There was a, there was a joke like, like that. England. <laughs> yeah. There was a joke that like might be yeah, United... Um, uh, what is it like? It, it, there's a joke that's going around like United just trying to bring like the old like 2017, 18 Real Madrid uh, or no, the 2018, 19 Real Madrid Champions League squad back together. The mm-hmm. starting 11. So hey, three, like three, three in, three down. Three in. <laughs> now, was it eight more to go? Yeah. I mean, if you're thinking about it, I guess. Navas. If, He's a backup. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he can uh, replace De Gea. But man, hey, but yeah, it's it, it, oh, it was definitely. I will say that Monday was definitely a really good day for United fans, but for Liverpool, man, it was a looking pretty bleak. And and in terms of like kind of future prospects, at least, like I texted you about it, but 
it seems like the biggest worry is like the midfield. Even with a healthy, completely healthy midfield, the midfield was already looking pretty thin when everyone was still healthy in terms of like pure quality in terms of lifting mm-hmm. the team up up a, to another echelon. Yeah, I guess we'll go into that where like the Achilles heel Liverpool right now, they kind of snuck up on them due to like just aging midfield and just, you know, the lack of Liverpool propensity to spend in times of great need. Like Darwin Nunez, I still feel like it's, that was a very big outlier in terms of Liverpool kind of spending big just out of the blue. Like Ali's son was kind of big, but like it kind of made sense. Uh, Van Dyke was big, but that kind of made sense. But like Darwin Nunez, I, I feel like it's more like a panic. And hopefully he still pans out. I still have trust in and belief in him. And, you know, Liverpool have had success in having Uruguayan you know, the strikers. more the Uruguayan strikers, but also the strikers that have some kind of uh, anger issues <laughs> or just like not the a most bite to him. Yeah, like a bite, not a bite to him, <laughs> but more like, you know, like a kind of not well behaved kind of player. It just kind of works out. I don't know why, but. Maybe that's a good omen, <laughs> but it definitely hurt us for this game because we needed that squad depth. And I guess if you go into the rest of the midfield, oh man, it's there's this kind of meme that's been going around that kind of compixelates everything that's going on in Liverpool. It's like there's the perfect, if there was like a perfect midfielder that could solve all Liverpool's problems, it'd just be like Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear just saying like, oh, 13 quid. Oh, I'm not paying that. <laughs> it's like, there's no way. So even if it was like worth it and not too expensive, I feel like Liverpool, I'm not sure if Klopp just has a lot of trust in his players and like he has this amount of loyalty where it's like he doesn't want to bring in another player and maybe disrupt what's going on in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Or he just thinks in the back of his head, it's like, well, all these players are injured. They're going to eventually come back and then someone's going to get benched and be unhappy. And, you know, it's just like a period of time just to wait out. But... You know, the standard that Liverpool has set in the past several seasons is like you can't be dropping this many points. And, and like, you know, as a lot of pundits have also said, other seasons, if this mm-hmm. is any other decade, it'd be kind of normal to drop points here and there. I think this is the first time Liverpool dropped points in 2022 in the league. You know, they yeah. lost the Champions League final and things like that, but they rarely lose games in general. And for them to lose this game, although it was a big game, it's very rare, and there are and they get just getting bombarded by criticisms and pundits and everything like that. But I still think it's not a time to panic. It's like you have to kind of think about the whole situation about what's going on of just the amount of squad depth they have and like the lack of it. But you know, in terms of the long term, I think they can bounce back. But it is a cause for concern, though. It's like you know, if this happened now, it could probably happen again at some other point in the season. Yeah. And Losing maybe for another position players. group, yeah, maybe for another position group. Like we saw, with like the center backs and defenders, mm-hmm. like two seasons ago, where they're we're literally playing Reese Williams and Nat Phillips yeah. for like our last several games of the season, and you know it's happening again with the midfield. I don't know what's going on, but I feel like Liverpool hasn't really learned their lesson yet. Maybe if it's there's only a week left in the transfer window and they don't want to do any panic buys here it could be kind of that situation is like you know we'll just wait it out and see what happens but man i feel like in terms of contingency and just for all the games they'll probably play this season like last season they played like 60 plus games because they're in every competition made it to every single final you know if it happens again there's no way they can sustain that Mm -hmm. and that being said you also can't just bring in anyone you have to bring in like a jude bellingham you have to bring in like a gravenberch like someone who is going to be a center mid or just a midfielder that is up to that standard that Liverpool set now. So I guess that's also the reason why that you can't really just bring in a player like that just on a whim. And there has to be a lot more kind of preparation for that. But right now, it just looks kind of bad just because it looks like Liverpool is not really doing much. <laughs> it just looks yeah, like they're you, like, all right, well, do, it do, is do what think, it is. Do you think it's the, um, not club per se, but do you think it's the ownership, the Fenway Sports Group? Um because I think I've seen some chatter on Twitter like from Liverpool fans on Twitter basically kind of calling out like ownership a little bit saying like, you know, in terms of like, I don't think net spends the right word, but in terms of spending since Klopp's mm-hmm. been manager, um, they, they're basically kind of inferring that they just, they, they're not, they don't shell out the cash essentially. Um, and a lot of people, at least from Liverpool fans on Twitter saying that, oh, like, the squad should have been in the process of kind of getting replaced after they won the Premier League title and, you know, working on getting 
you know, quality players um, and all that. But do you feel like the ownership is a part to blame in terms of not kind of like offering up the funds um, more readily? Yeah, it's I feel like it's something that we see in the past several seasons or they won't buy a player unless another player leaves and they mm-hmm. use some of that funding, if not all of it, to fund in the next player. So it becomes like almost like self-sustaining at that point. Like I've never seen or can really remember a season where like their net spent was like negative or if it was negative, it wasn't that severely negative. As mm-hmm. you can see from like previous seasons with like Man City or Manchester United, there have been seasons where like they're 100, 100 million in the hole as opposed to like who they sold and who they brought in. But like for Man City, it's worked out. And I guess Liverpool is not going to really take that chance. They're not really going to take that risk because, you know, it could be like a Barcelona situation where you just spend, 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 and then never get any return for it. And then now you're just a billion in debt. So I, I feel like it's very conservative and kind of smart from the American owners, like the Fenway Sports Group to kind of, you know, the, the model's been working the past several seasons and they made it to like every final you could make it to in last season. So I feel like it would be a big panic to kind of change that kind of philosophy. But in these kind of times, it really does kind of bite us in the butt where it's like, gosh dang it, these cheapos. <laughs> and that, and their argument probably is like, yo, we spent 85 mil on Darwin. Y'all greedy. <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, it's like we have this glaring need and it's like sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But Right now, like Klopp is kind of just given given these puzzle pieces like, you know, you got to build what you got. All these like Lego pieces you got is what you're going to have. And unless someone big moves out and, you know, we already lost Mane this season. We lost yeah. Takumi Minamino, which I feel like definitely would have helped us this game. And most importantly as well, Divock Origi. Losing those three players and like the 49 goal contributions they had past seasons. Yeah, it's a lot. Last season. That was a lot. And it really kind of showed this game. Because, like, we couldn't get any, like, opportunities either. Like, Salah was, like, a ghost. He couldn't really get past Malasia. And, like, any ball that came to him, he he couldn't really make much of an opportunity besides the one goal he scored from a corner Mm -hmm. because it was just, like, scrappy. And then Luis Diaz, he he had to do so much by himself. He was kind of, like, on an island. And he managed to, like, pull off a few chances. But I'm like, man, the amount of effort it took. It made Manchester United look, their chances look so easy. As opposed to Liverpool, it's like, man, every single chance, every single like step forward into the Manchester United half took so much more effort. Mm-hmm. And to certain players, like as I mentioned, like Firmino, Milner, they're just they're just like a step back. Like they yeah. were not on the same wavelength. It was just like certain presses. Like I started counting like turnovers from Milner. And it was like after five <laughs> in like the first half. I was like, all right, uh, what the heck? And then like yeah, Firmino I, as well, like some of his passes were off and he, like some of the balls to him. He just wasn't able to reach. I was like, mm-hmm. what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I, I will say this. Do you think, do you think there's been enough? I don't think turnovers are right, but do you, do you think there's been enough investment in the squad since you guys last won the Premier League to, I guess, be in a position uh, where you can feel where you feel comfortable that saying that hey we can challenge for another title again or do you, do you feel like uh, there hasn't been enough I guess turnover enough like positive change within the squad in terms of like reinforcements that you've kind of just been relying on like brilliance of like your old Star Wars you know to kind of carry you on I think it's a little bit of both where I feel like given that Liverpool finished second last season with mm-hmm. just like a few points behind Man City. I, I think everything has been done right. It's just right now, this point of the season, this new season, it's looking like there's so much wrong, but everyone is kind of just pointing at like these kind of small sample sizes of this season, where it's like last season, it looked like everything was right. It's like, oh, this is like one of the best seasons ever of all time. Like we, I think we had yeah. like a conversation almost too, where it's just uh, about, is this like one of the best teams in the decade? And now mm-hmm. it's just, everything's just kind of, flipped on its head and i'm like man uh, yeah it will it is a little bit of just like what happened as well because like i think you know, there's a bigger I, yeah i think uh you know it's not i mean it, it's getting talked about a lot now but i i feel like i i've said it before i've always been like a huge sadio mane fan i thought even back mm-hmm. when he first signed he's always been like my like one of my favorite players to watch and mm-hmm. yeah he had a couple of dips maybe like two seasons ago but like I feel like there's not enough conversation on men. Like he was really influential in that front three, like arguably just as influential as Mo Salah, maybe didn't get like all the goals as Mo Salah, but like he did a lot. 
He definitely did. And he definitely also was one of the main players that was able to kind of fit this Klopp system of that false nine left wing, whenever mm-hmm. it was needed of him and like the energy that was, and the effort needed, he was always there. And he was always there to also put in like the clutch goal as well, like Salah. And I kind of mentioned, I was like, I don't know if that will be able to be replaced because like although Darwin yeah. came in, it's like it's not going to be like an immediate thing. And we're kind of seeing that now. It kind of sucks that also Darwin just had to headbutt yeah, someone get, the red card. get that red card. So it looks even worse. And, you know, right now, Bayern Munich are just going off right now in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I think he like, scored in know, like the first game. three games or something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's really showing like, you know, the African player of the year, everything like that. But, you know, the reliance on high end talent and just being able to have those certain players like Mane kind of bail us out of certain situations and like kind of get us the win. That's always been kind of Liverpool's thing where, you know, sometimes the tactics might not go as planned, but at least there's high end talent to bail us out. Mm-hmm. And this game and the previous two games, they weren't there. It's they bailed us out and got us a draw against Fulham. But I'm yeah. like, what the heck? This is Fulham. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the, I don't know why Mitrovic, actually Mitrovic, a side note, he's been scoring. I think he's actually been scoring goals. I don't know what's going on. I know. I feel like this is, I think we we mentioned that it might happen where he's going to go off early in the season, but then we'll <laughs> see if he can sustain it. Because Timo Puki, he tricked yeah. me like a few seasons ago. Yeah, same thing. And then, all of a season, and then like second half of the season, he just Didn't looks anything. like he was on Norwich. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and before he looked like he was just like a god. <laughs> he was like, what the heck? Why is he on Norwich? And then I was like, oh, now we understand. But <laughs> right now it's just this Liverpool side. Man, it's, I still think it's a slump. I really have to give them a little bit more time to kind of recalibrate and kind of figure things out and really kind of give them the benefit of the doubt of just all these injuries. But at the same time, it's like with the standards they have now and just like the technically like the financial power they have, it's like they shouldn't be in a situation where it's like, man, we're down all these players in the midfield. Like, come on. It's like you're Mm -hmm. Liverpool. At least get someone. Like even if it's on (laughs) loan or... Someone like that, it's or maybe like in a free transfer or something, maybe like a one year deal. But because, like, if anything, it's not the worst to have more reassurance and more depth in this position because it's not yeah. like I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't think Milner should be starting any more games. And if he has <laughs> to, I'm like, come on now. And it's gone there, I, it's gone, and he's like 36 years old. It's like, come on, he's yeah. so old. <laughs> he shouldn't be having to start in this big Derby game. And like Henderson, he, you know, he did the best he could. And Harvey Elliott as well. He's like the he's like half the age of Milner. <laughs> so I was surprised <laughs> that he was also like he's kind of being thrown into the fire. And I feel like he's more of a right wing winger kind of player. So having him kind of shift into the center mid role is kind of rough. But man, it's it's kind of right now just having Liverpool survive. And I don't think with the standards they have, they should be even be in the situation where it's like, why is Liverpool just trying to like survive at this point? It's like, they should be still trying to gun for that yeah. title. Like Manchester city have like, you haven't seen Manchester city in these kind of situations. Like they always had two like starting 11s starting with 11s, the players yeah. and it's Liverpool like, did have that last true, Like even their, their backup players in Gabriel Jesus are all like going off at Arsenal right now. So it was true. Right. They did have exactly two starting 11s on their and bed. And I'm like, and Liverpool had that last season, but it's just mm-hmm. now after selling everyone, I'm like, where's the, well, now, where's you know, the, where'd the depth yeah. go? You guys yeah, got to get someone. It's tough. Cause I think you guys were also really heavily linked towards, um, before you joined Real Madrid, Aurelien, uh, Toshemi, the, uh, like yeah. French, the really young Toshemi. French midfielder, uh, from Monaco. Mm-hmm. And, uh, obviously like that deal got done, like I think in April or like May, for Real Madrid, but that was a huge kind of miss because it seemed like they were kind of lining up, like get him and then get Jude the next season. And when you miss out on him, it's like, like who, who was the backup towards towards him, you know, to kind of replace, to kind of build some depth in the midfield. Mm-hmm. I really hope we get Jude because Bellingham is like one of my favorite players to watch right now. You mm-hmm. know, Shalomeni, I like, I, I don't really know too much about him. I just seen him like in FIFA. He's just going off. But like, yeah, because like, I don't really watch League of. But I mean, it's just the rave. And the fact that Real Madrid bought him, I'm like, all yeah. right. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh. They have him and Camavinga and Valverde. Mm-hmm. They're already set for the I'm midfield like, for the future. They're already set. Like they, they're ready. They literally don't have to rebuild. They just reload. So yeah. I'm like, all right, well, 
Uh, <laughs> Liverpool got to like keep that going because like you know Manchester City do the same thing. They have Holland now. They kept yeah. Mares. They sold Raheem Sterling. Like all these little things, but it's just like yeah, they, they just sold keep Sterling, get Jesus, Zinchenko, and mm-hmm. yeah, I I do think Zinchenko is going to be like low key kind of a big miss because they actually don't have. I think so too. Yeah, they don't actually have a lot yeah. of depth in the fullback position. So one injury, they're like they're done. So or not done. So, but they're like. They're struggling a bit. Mm-hmm. Cause like besides <laughs> Joao Cancelo, who was originally a right back, who's now the yeah, left who's back where's number mile. seven for some reason. <laughs> that yeah. still throws me off. I'm still the Pierce yeah. who's like the number seven needs to be like a winger or attacker. Yeah. But like I guess Nathan Ake could play left back. I don't know. That's just so <laughs> random to me. I'm like, gosh dang. Oh, speaking of that though, it does kind of pull me into like this other kind of point that i had with cho like our our good friend friend of the pod cho the armchair Mm -hmm. manager arsenal fan he's going off right now with arsenal but um i I was talking to him about the defense the liverpool defense he's been raving to me about saliba and i'm and like he's like can't compare him to van dyke i'm like yeah not right now (laughs) (laughs) but you know i will say also like trent alexander arnold kind of getting beat out a lot on that right back position and that's kind of been a criticism that's been going on for past several seasons yeah but and I, I feel like with the too. yeah, and the squad depth that's been going on, it's just kind of rough. And like I specifically remember in that first game against Mitrovic, he was the one who lost the header to Mitrovic. Like he didn't even mm-hmm. challenge him. I was like, what yeah. the heck? But in this game, like he didn't really do too hot at right back too. Yeah, against like Rashford. Uh, Longa and yeah, Rashford. Right, like yeah, like when Marcio came on, Rashford kind of gave him a couple runs. So I was like, why not move him to center mid <laughs> and push hey, out like Gomez or something to right back. I got yeah. roasted for doing a Gareth Southgate move, Bumcho, but I'm like, at this point, we kind of I mean, need has, it. And there's, he has all the offensive qualities to play in the midfield. Yeah, and he's kind of struggling in defense. It's like, why not just put him in center mid? Why not <laughs> let it fly? I feel like I'd take that over Milner right now and then like you know push out <laughs> Joe Gomez to the right, bring in even a Nat Phillips or it's just something like that, like even Fabinho yeah. if he can play center back for a little bit. But mm-hmm. I feel like that could be worth a shot. And for Trent Alexander-Arnold, there was... In the Crystal Palace game, when you know Liverpool were just guns blazing, they had a formation where it was just like Trent Alexander Trent Alexander Arnold after Darwin got sent off, he just got put in like the center of the field, and he just did whatever he wanted. It was like an Ozil type kind of position where <laughs> it was just like a four four Trent Alexander Arnold up top. It was like <laughs> yeah, it was something that I saw play. on Twitter that was like, what the heck? Yeah, just mm-hmm. let him play. And it kind of worked out. It was a little different. And I feel like yeah, you, it might be worth you, a shot. You've been mentioning the Alexander Arnold midfield thing for a while now. This isn't like a new topic. Like you've kind of like low-key <laughs> brought it up. Not for like Liverpool, but for the England setup like a couple seasons ago. Because um, mm-hmm. like he has all the statistical qualities of like a Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. It's just he's doing it all from right back. I'm like, yeah. what happens if you just put him at center mid? Yeah. Although it does kind of, you know, mess up the shape with the Liverpool side because he does push out really far right and kind of brings that kind of width to the team. Whereas you move him center mid, then he's more central and someone else is going to have to do that width for him. But, you know, I've seen Joe Gomez sending some bangers of some crosses every once in a while. <laughs> you know, it might not be the quality of Trent, but, you know, they still will do. And I feel like maybe this will be better. But, like, you know, kind of doing this kind of switch up. But it works on paper, but, you know, in real life, maybe it won't. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's just something it's just something different yeah and something i feel like about. that's the kind of theme with liverpool where it's like we've tried so many other things with this kind of depleted midfield is like maybe trying something different might work but we'll see klopp definitely is you know, the smarter man he's he's literally in the in the getting paid the big bucks to make these big decisions but yeah you, know, you don't ever know it's just one of those questions like why not ever try that hmm. mm-hmm. i don't know just something to throw out there yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been interesting. I will say that, um, you know, I think a lot of people were making jokes about like how United started the season. They're oh, they're going to get relegated. Like obviously, they're not going to get relegated. And I think it's been such, like you said, such an early sample size. I feel like eventually everything will correct itself. And you know, I feel like United will a- eventually average out to finishing six. And I think Liverpool will average out to finishing either in the top three or top two. Um, I just mm-hmm. think right now it's kind of been like a a bit of a rough set up a rough like kind of like first couple games but it, it'll be interesting because i 
did see a stat apparently like uh Klopp is now entering his seventh season at Liverpool and apparently oh yeah yeah yep. I saw like, I know Klopp, this is going <laughs> yeah like when he was at Mainz apparently in his seventh season like he he left I think early mm-hmm. um and then when he was at Dortmund his seventh season they they failed to qualify for Champions League or they finished seventh and he left that season and now he's now at Liverpool seventh season not saying he's gonna finish seventh and you know get fired or leave but it's just interesting I wonder um if he's kind of running into the same problem he had at Dortmund where he just kind of kept the same core around for so long that like there wasn't enough kind of like new fresh freshness brought in to kind of you know, change change things up and spice things up again. Mm-hmm. And to to kind of quickly also kind of mention for like the Mainz and Dortmund situation. I remember that last season in Dortmund too. I think they're almost facing relegation around winter yeah, time. They were like they were not doing too hot at all. I do remember mm-hmm. that. Like they were not doing and then well. I I think at Mainz, I don't know if it's either they didn't make promotion or they got relegated. Something like that. It was something big where it was just like a like a breakdown, but. Oh gosh! <laughs> if something bad happens for this season, after he signed the extension, um, it's gonna be high key sad. But I don't think it's gonna happen. Like you know, it's it's a lot of different kind of situation. He's learned a lot from you know being a manager now for like basically like twenty seasons. Yeah. I think it will be a much different kind of scenario. He has a much different kind of team. Although the Premier League is probably the toughest kind of task he's gonna he's ever been dealt with and also just like the level of competition and the expectations are so high it's gonna be a little different but i at the beginning of the season i remember he, he spoke to a reporter he said the goal is always top four it's not like winning the title or anything it's just like it's just top four so i think having the expectation you know you kind of set it low and then if you you know win a title or something then mm-hmm. it, you know you under undersell over deliver and I feel like at least if he meets yeah. the season, then it will be success. And I feel like given that kind of omen, the seventh season omen, and I feel like it's a little too early to panic and say, oh, if we get top four, it will be fine. I still think they should still be gunning for the title, still be gunning for Champions League finals and getting that trophy because they, yeah. they haven't been knocked out of any competitions domestically or in the European competition yet. And, you know, with the wild card that is the World Cup in the winter, we have no idea what's going to happen after that. Like, for all we know, like, Darwin can go off in the World Cup and then just have, like, an insane run of form in the second half of the season. Yeah. Or, like, Mo Salah might, like, since he's resting, he could just go off in the second half of the season, too, just because, like, he has, he gets a little bit extra rest like LeBron James did in the bubble. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you never know. So there's just so many factors left in the season, and... I feel like I was, I'm not going to lie, I did panic a little bit during the games because I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen Liverpool win since like the Community Shield. And, you know, <laughs> I'm a little spoiled now where it's like I'm kind of used to seeing Liverpool do well. But just seeing the struggle <laughs> against these certain teams and then the cherry on top to see them lose in the Premier Pod Derby, I was like, I don't know if it's time to panic, but I am feeling a little sad. <laughs> yeah, and now forget, a few forgot, days have passed. I forgot the struggle. I forgot the struggle. It's like, man, remember where you're from? And this is like the exact same start they had in 2012. And I'm like, all right, I remember this pain. <laughs> it's like, gosh, take it. It's, it sucks to see, but it's bound to happen eventually. And it's, mm-hmm. I think what kind of gives it even more kind of a significance kind of multiplier effect of it being more painful is just like the expectations are so high that you just weren't expecting yeah. something like this to happen when all the expectations were them to just to compete with Man City rarely drop any points. They only dropped 10 points or or points in 10 games and they now dropped points in three games in a row. The first three, yeah. like the margin of error at this point, it's like it's so it's small. unrealistic to say they're going to you know win out the rest of the season. But now it's like, all right, they definitely probably aren't going to do as well as last season. But man, hopefully their stand has still rise up because as you saw with Milner, on the pitch, like roasting Van Dyke. It was like, what is going on with the team? We need someone out there like a Bruno Fernandez and just out there just yelling at players like, what is going on? What are you doing? Remember who you are. Because Van mm-hmm. Dyke had one of the worst games I've seen in a minute from him. Yeah. And Milner, although he had a terrible game too, at least he was out there yelling at everyone to kind of get their heads back in the game because that was also a very flat start from a Liverpool side. And that flat start has been an occurring, like an occurring thing, as I mentioned in the past several seven games in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, 
We'll see. So my hope for Liverpool is like Manchester United. It's hopefully the next game will be better. And then for yeah. you know Manchester United, it's just to continue on what's going on now. But for Liverpool, it's just, you know, bounce out of this. Because yeah, slumps happen, but this is just, this is rough. Yeah, I think they'll be, I think ultimately they'll be fine. And plus like losing to a rival, I think that if anything will get your, like kind of like the thing going for like the players and the coach, I think losing to a big mm-hmm. rival like that, I feel like that would just get the motivation going again. So maybe they can find their mojo or groove or, you know, maybe try out new formations Some new players come in or they tweak some things. And I think, uh, I think ultimately they'll be fine because they've I been fine so for so long. Uh, it's just like right now it's kind of like early season narratives of like what's going on, you know? Um, so <laughs> I, I think it's just one of those early season things. Like when you start slow, everyone's going to panic, but you just got to, essentially just do what you normally do and then it should eventually correct itself and you'll be back to like the median again. Uh, I hope yeah. so. And I think so. But yeah, I, I will also mention, I had a few texts from a few friends that are Manchester United fans from, <laughs> you know, my soccer team and like uh, a few folks from home. And it wasn't like anything like bad or negative. It's just like, we, <laughs> it was just all like, we needed this win more than y'all. You don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, no, I understand. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and, you know, for a rivalry, you know, this is a low key roast, but it's just like, it's got to be, it's got to be equals at some point. You know, you got to win some, you got to lose some. And it's like, about time, yes, you got one. And yes, I'm like, it's been a long time coming. As you mentioned in the beginning of the pod, it's since the beginning of this entire series of us making podcasts. Yosh has never been able to, <laughs> to say Manchester United won one, <laughs> at least in the league. But, you know, not to happen. And, you know, I got to give kudos to Yosh's team because they played well. This is one of the best sides I've seen him play in a few seasons. And, you know, it was a well-deserved victory. But I, I like to ask you, Yosh, how you feeling, though? It's like, you feeling hopeful? You feeling like it's just like a one-time thing? Or how you feeling for, like, the next rest of the season? Because, you know, the expectation at least for us two, was them to get six. What are you feeling about that from here? Yeah, I, I still think I still think they'll probably finish six. Um, I just think like the, you know, the five teams above them are a bit stronger. Although Chelsea look a little bit weird right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they look, yeah, yeah, we're not going to go into that, but like they, they just like out from the outset, they look a little bit shaky um, in terms of their top four secure. Um, but I, I feel hopeful. I think this, this game helped a lot and it was so great to beat a rival again like a beat a major rival that like pretty much every united fan like woke up tuesday just with a big smile on their face again because it was like man haven't felt this in forever and i i think i think we'll be fine i i think we'll see a lot of a lot of good moments and there might be some downfalls here and there but um i'm excited again i think the first two seasons the first two games at least had us worried but i think with some new recruitment coming in and um yeah, just some new recruitment coming in. I think it will help a lot. And, you know, players starting to find and regain their confidence. And hopefully we figure out this Ronaldo situation. And I just, I, I feel hopeful. I feel hopeful at least for the this coming year and seeing what will happen with this season. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that theme, of it really, it really only takes one game. They're going to change yeah. everything. It's really showing mm-hmm. here. And I feel like... yeah. For Liverpool too, uh, the same thing will kind of happen. If one game for them, if just one victory, it'll kind of change the trajectory of the season. But just right now, it's just a little bit of slump and Manchester United were in that slump. And now that one game for them came and we'll just see what happens. But I'm hopeful, yeah. I'm hopeful for y'all too. I feel like this is a game yeah. I was not expecting and we'll see if this kind of continues on. But man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we'll see. We'll can't, see. But can't lie if I'm not a little salty, but gosh dang, that was a good match. <laughs> I was one of yeah. the better Premier Pod Darbies. Yeah, thank goodness it wasn't like a nil-nil because we've, we've we've witnessed too many of those uh, since I've done Tyler. Too many like boring uh-huh. nil-nils, but we got a good one. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the rest of the season. I think Tyler, as he said, he's he's hopeful. Or he's pretty sh- assured that like you know Liverpool will ride it out and like get back to get back to where they are. It's just early season hiccups, but yeah, that was. Pretty much all we had for episode 147. Oddly enough, we actually didn't even have like an outline or anything. This is all like what was going on in our heads with this game. Um, that's how much, you know. We knew. We were both fans. <laughs> we yeah. knew it was going to be a big knew. one. Uh, we're both fans of like these teams. So obviously, like we know what's going on with our club. So uh, it was fun though. It, it was fun. And like we said um, from the earlier uh, earlier in the show, we are kind of moving back to like that that uh, monthly, monthly upload once a month. So um 
I guess going forward, it will less be, there will be topics obviously related to like in game weeks, but kind of trying to test our waters a bit and try to test like some more evergreen content. Um, so just some more stuff that can kind of be talked about a little bit more freely rather than being tied down to the previous game week. And I, I think we'll bring out some fun discussions and some fun things going forward, but um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. As we always say, you could follow us at the premier pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at the premier pod. If you listen to this podcast on Apple podcasts, uh, please sure to leave. Uh, please be sure to leave a rating or review. It helps us out. But um, if you don't want to do that, just simply listening to it or sharing it with a friend is more than enough. And we always appreciate the support any way we get it. But yeah, that kind of wraps up season five, episode one forty seven for us. Thanks again for watching. Peace. Peace.